It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation and saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT in studio today with Bobby. We've been together almost forever as we start the show today, and it's a big one. Uh, the latest on Devontae Adams and what's pending with him on the flagship of the Silver and Black. I am thrilled to interview Shea Theodore, who's going to join us from the Golden Knights, one of the best defensemen in hockey. Uh, Vegas won last night in Los Angeles. Big game for him. Big start for VGK. There's a big-time guest that the Golden Knights have always been good to me. He'll join us at 1 o'clock, straight up at 1 o'clock. Vinny Bonsignor, our insider from Vegas Nation and right here on Raider Nation Radio. Former Raiders defensive tackle from the L.A. Raiders, Mitch Willis will join us. He played three years with the team. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And our good friend Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate as we take a look at the moving odds. So don't have a lot of time, but I got a lot of time to get you on the radio. If you dial, I get you up. If you wait, I can't promise you anything. Dial now, get on the radio, because Raider Nation Unite. There is a lot to talk about. Number 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by PTs. They open up every show. They're the best happy hour in town. You've heard me say it forever. 5 to 7, midnight to 2, 64-plus taverns. They own the stratosphere that looks fabulous. If you've been to the stratosphere lately, people are coming back and telling me, thanks, JT, for sending me over there for entertainment, for dinner, for great Great nightlife, the Stratosphere, and on top of it, they own Arizona Charlie's and all of their locations here in town. PT's fuels the monologue. They give me the energy every day to start this show and mention them. I'm proud to be partnered with Golden Entertainment as we continue here. All right, let's get going with Devontae Adams and the news about the police report in Kansas City. I've talked to people on the ground in Kansas City, sports talk host. This is the number one story in Kansas City on the radio, and they have a better team than the Raiders. We know that. They just beat the Raiders. Kelsey had four touchdowns, and they're not talking about that. They're talking about Devontae Adams. We are the flagship of the Raiders. I support Devontae Adams. By no means do I support him putting his hands on anybody. But I'm hoping that Devontae Adams clearly doesn't get suspended. People are split on a suspension or not. That's why I'm opening it up to you on what should happen. Can you take yourself out of the bubble that you're in as a Raider fan and look at the fact that he threw someone who was working there doing a job who got in the way to the ground with two hands and a shove? Or do you think that that person's at fault when that person went to the hospital and filed the police report? It's that easy. I mean, it's complicated in regards to what the NFL is going to do. So we can look at it a couple of ways. And here's how I'm looking at it. No matter what we think, we have no control over this. None. 0.0. We have no control over what happens. They're going to make a decision, and it's Roger Goodell. The problem with the timing of this is the NFL is in complete overreaction with concussion protocol and the issue with roughing the passer, right? We all agree with that. It's a mess right now. The NFL is bringing down the hammer on everything, and they're doing things more conservatively. So if you go to the NFL playbook 
at this point. You probably think if the NFL wants to be conservative on this and get it right and not get a lot, a lot of blowback, they'll suspend Devontae for a game, which will be a game check, and he makes a lot of money. Instead of not getting a suspension and getting a fine, which I don't think could be a lot of money. I don't think you can find someone for you know a couple hundred grand here. Okay, but you can talk about a guy who makes over a million a game and take away a game check, and that's significant. I think that'll play a role in the decision here if it goes Devontae's way. I repeat, I think what's going well for Devontae is he makes so much money, if you suspend him, you're taking away a massive amount of money from him. So that's what I think on that. And if they do that, they are clearly sending a message to every player in the NFL. They're not sending a message to Devontae. Devontae's one of the top character guys in the league. He's not Dennis Rodman. Uh, A lot of sports talk radio shows and debate shows. I saw one today that had a half screen of Devontae shoving this guy to the ground and Dennis Rodman kicking a cameraman. That's what they're doing. That's what these debate shows do that are begging for people to watch as they scream at each other. They're comparing Devontae's actions to Dennis Rodman's. Well, you know, when you have people who are working, I had a, a pretty important person call me today and say, hey, you know, I work every day and I work as a bartender. And when I'm done with my shift, I have a bad night. I don't push my busboy to the ground with two hands and walk right by him. I said, that's a little bit different. You know, you're in the workplace environment and, you know, this is different than being a fired up football player who is frustrated in the zone and completely locked into the game and frustrated that they lost the game. And quite frankly, if you want to point fingers on why the Raiders didn't win, the entire team lost that game. Coaches and players. But Devontae bobbled the ball at the end that he typically doesn't bobble. And I think if he catches that, the Raiders win. But I could also say that if they guarded Kelsey and even attempted to guard him, the Raiders would have won. Or I could also tell you if Roderick Teamer didn't grab a face mask, a face mask on a completed play that set up a 59-yard field goal, which was one in a million, the Raiders win the game. So I can go down and down and down the list. I can tell you if Malcolm Kuntz didn't get that phantom flag for holding on a field goal that was missed, the Raiders win the game. But Kansas City's saying, no, 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 we would have won the game if they didn't call roughing the passer because Carr fumbled and they were right in scoring position and the Raiders couldn't stop them. So this topic is going back and forth, and we can stretch it through the bye week. We can. We can stretch Kansas City through the bye week before we preview Houston. So what I think is going to happen with Devontae, I probably think they're going to suspend him for a game. I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. I don't think they have to. I think that character matters. I think his apology very quickly. I think his tweet very quickly showed that he was compassionate, but other people are saying he didn't pick up the guy through to the ground. And that could be the reason why he gets suspended. If he would have turned and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize then and pick up the guy before he went to the hospital or that, give him a signed jersey, a ball, I don't know what you do there, then maybe this doesn't happen. I don't know. I don't play, play cop on the radio. But I'll tell you something with this team and what's going on is perception. And there's a lot of people, okay, like the gals on the Today Show, Hoda and all of them, you know, and all the people on The View – and the people on cable news that seem like they've never watched sports, they put up Devontae's picture and make him out to be a bad guy because they don't know Devontae. They don't know he has a Taco Bell commercial, a Tide commercial. They don't know what he played in Green Bay. They don't know what he does in the community, what he did at Fresno State. They know nothing. So you make him out to be a villain, right? That's what you do in the media. You put out the villain. Draymond Green, villain right now. Devontae, villain. And then you have to fight that perception. The organization has been through a tough road here. They really have with Henry Ruggs, the accident that killed Tina Tintor, uh, Damon Arnett, 
Those are much more serious issues than Devontae pushing someone in a tunnel, which a lot of people, including me, don't think it's the end of the world. But it's perception, perception here, and the perception isn't good. So I don't know what you think is going to happen here. I don't have the inside track. But in Kansas City, they're pouring uh, kerosene on this. And and good people, too, people that I'm really pissed off that they're doing this. But this is sports radio, and I typically don't do gossip sports radio. I don't do that. I do hardcore sports radio, X's and O's. I interview people, and I get out of here and take your calls. Well, what they're doing is people on the radio and television today need topics. They're desperate for topics. They can't look at ESPN.com and Yahoo like I do and Raiders.com and go, I got this. I don't need three hours to meet with anybody. Are you nuts? I need five minutes. I look at what's happening. I watch it live, and I talk about it. And I watched Devontae live when he pushed that guy to the ground, and I went on the postgame show afterwards and took calls on it. So I'm way ahead of this story here, but I don't know the outcome. The outcome is going to be very interesting. And as I told you this year, and it's the best way I can say it, you know, I got a fourth-grade vocabulary, but the best way I could say this is that everything that could go wrong with the Raiders this year Every bleeping thing has gone wrong. Everything. The outcome of games, uh, the collapse against Arizona, up 17-0 on Kansas City, Darren Waller's hamstring, Hunter Renthrow concussed, everything. Like, there hasn't been anything that's happened this year that you're like, man, whoa, deep breath, man, this is great. The Denver game was closer than it should have been. But they ended up winning that game. So everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I've been using the term snake bit, bad luck, all of that because it's accurate. The Raiders aren't going into games coming out of the pregame speech with Josh McDaniels running out of the tunnel looking to lose. They're fighting their ass off. They're playing pretty good in a lot of the games. We all know the story. They can't finish. They can't finish. And now they finally found an identity. Yesterday, I hosted with Eric Allen the Raiders press conference show. I looked at EA on the set. I said, is this their identity now? And he said, yeah. The identity of the Raiders is a running team with Josh Jacobs. And I said, oh, no. He started laughing, not on the air. He goes, what are you laughing at? Eric Allen's great. And I say, well, if you run the ball and you keep running the ball, you're not going to run away from a team. I can promise you that. You're going to be 17-14, 21-20. You're not going to bury teams dropping daisy-cutter bombs to Devontae over the top if you're running the ball. So if you're running the ball, you're shortening the game, and these games are going to be tighter. And if you want to run the ball against Houston, Houston's good defensively. They don't have a great quarterback, and I think the Raiders are going to win the game. But you take Devontae out of that game, and then all of a sudden you start to say, oh, we're a running team. We're just going to run it. Good luck at the good luck at the scoreboard if you're going to think you're going to run the ball against the Houston Texans and go up by three scores. You're going to be in a dogfight. And they are going to be in a dogfight. You know why? Because everything that could go wrong this year has. So you know before you meet me at the torch at the next home game that this game's going to be tight. Because that's the way they've been. They need something big to happen. They need something explosive to happen in a good way. Not Devontae Adams leading SportsCenter at the top of every hour. That's not good. But maybe it'll rally the team. Glasses have full JT right there. How about that? Took me 11 minutes to get to it. Maybe this rallies the team. They need a kick in the ass. They need something to rally them. I think McDaniels is a damn good coach. The record doesn't prove it, so Raider on Raider fan violence wanting the coach gone. Ridiculous. I listened to Vinny today. Vinny's coming on today. It's ridiculous. Mark Davis went all in with him and Dave Ziggler. They got a plan, and the plan they believe is working. They're getting their players this year 
next year in the offseason in the draft so they got their guys. Their scouts are working 24 hours a day to get the guys they went in and get rid of the guys who aren't going to be here next year. And don't get me going there. That could get me in trouble. I'll stay back on that one, on who's going to be here and who's not going to be here because they're putting it all on tape. It's all on tape. Okay, so the, the guys who didn't get their contracts renewed, other than Josh, the guys who are playing themselves out of this organization, Dave Ziegler didn't draft those guys. Dave Ziegler didn't go up there and say, let me see their contracts again, what I can do here. Now he's doing it and they're looking at it. They need time. And they lost games that they should have won. And some of it was by fluke. And what I mean by fluke is a 20-second play by Kyler Murray. 20 seconds, that never happens. Devontae juggling a ball, never happens. So a lot of the things that happen is well-deserved. They blew it. It's on them. And other things are fluke. This should be a 2-3 and three team today. They should have beat Denver and Arizona. That's it. I'm not saying Kansas City. They had Kansas City beat. The Chargers are better. Better roster now. They lost to them. And then the Tennessee game, okay, they lose it. So they should be 2-3. and three. And they beat the Houston Texans at 3-3, three and three, and everybody's happy. Everybody's going, man, 3-3? Three and three? Everybody's three and three. Everybody but the Eagles are three and three. We're good. Now they're one and four, and they're tight. And Devontae's on the news. And they're on a bye week. And Eric Allen made another great point. You'll hear it uh, Friday on the podcast here. Is that Eric Allen made, he's so good. He said this other point. He goes, the young guys better be in that building. They better be in the building on the bye week. You're a veteran, Max Crosby, you're having a baby, Devontae, he's got some things he's got to deal with, Derek Carr, we know his work ethic, but you're some regular guy, and you take off for Cabo, or you take off to go back to your college to come on the field and do that, you can do that, you can do whatever you want, you have a bye week, you have the right to go away, but a lot of people better be in that building busting their ass trying to get this team to win. So, what do you think about Devontae, again, and what needs to happen here? Ian Rappaport as we open up the show with the latest earlier today on what's developing. Yeah, Devontae Adams is facing discipline from the NFL for his actions. We will see if it ends up being a fine, a, a normal uh, disciplinary action for several players, which happens, you know, many times a week, or if it's a suspension, which sounds like is possible, which happens rarely. And, of course, Devontae Adams, you've seen the clip a million times from various angles. He's coming off the field after a tough, tough loss. Him and Hunter Renfro ran into each other after Renfro ran the wrong route. He's coming off the field. He's, uh, he is in the visitor's exit. I believe the visitor's tunnel, a credentialed member of the media, walks into him, Devontae Adams, shoves this person to the ground, apologizes right after the game to reporters, apologizes later on Twitter. This credentialed member of the media, a freelance member, I believe, ended up filing a report with Kansas City Police. Uh, the Raiders and Josh McDaniels specifically have supported Devontae Adams as a person, uh, but we will see what ends up being the outcome of this. The Raiders are on the bye, so there's not a lot of urgency for the NFL to make this decision right now, uh, but certainly we are watching and waiting to see what they will decide. Okay, so let's talk about this. Ed Graney did a great job. I heard him on the radio this morning. Also, Vinny and Clay. There's two angles. There's the upper angle that's taken up, it looks like, from the second deck where it looks like Devontae throws both hands on him and just pushes him to the ground. And then there's the other angle. The other angle where Devontae is walking with his head down and all of a sudden there's someone in front of him, walks right in front of him. The second angle, it's like the Sapruta film of the Kennedy situation here where you got two, oh, look at that angle, it looks different. The second angle of this, which Adam Schefter put out and everybody else is putting out, is someone just flashes in front of him 
and he sees someone quickly, and he throws them to the ground. Now, the hardcore debaters on the debate shows are saying, what if it's a woman? What if it's a woman? Because if you look at the person, Devontae didn't have much time to tell you who this was. It wasn't a woman, fortunately, okay, for obvious reasons. It's a guy who was working there, and uh, he got thrown down, and we live in the world of concussions now. He went to the hospital. Don't know anything that happened at the hospital. There is a police report out there, and Devontae did everything right. The only thing that Devontae, Devontae did two things wrong. He put two hands on a person, which you never do. And then the second thing, he should have instantly stopped and picked them up. If he did that, we don't have an issue at all. It's over. He didn't do that. But I don't play professional football. I don't play pro football. I don't know what it feels like to walk off the field that frustrated and disgusted and someone jumps right in front of you. So I don't think Devontae did enough. I don't think he did enough to get suspended. I think he did enough to get fined. The fine would be interesting because the fine topic, and I'm, I feel like I'm the only guy bringing this topic up, everybody look at the suspension. It's a game check. His game check is massive. Okay, Deshaun Watson didn't get a big game check this year. Let me tie that in. Remember Deshaun Watson? They furloughed his money till next year. Those scoundrels, those blankety blanks. What they did is they knew that their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, was going to be under scrutiny and suspended. They thought for six games to eight. Then it goes up to 11 games. 12 games is coming back week 12. So they didn't pay him. Right? So they, they say you're going to get paid next year because they knew it was happening. Devontae's getting paid a lot of money. So, Devontae, if you take a game check from him and suspend him, so it's worse than the fine. See, if you fine him, you can't fine him a million dollars. You can only fine him a couple of thousand, 20,000, 25, maybe 100, I don't know. But you can't take a game check away, and they would have to do that. But they want to set a precedent. They're doing it with concussions, and they're doing it with other things where they want to be the ruler. And I, the NFL's got a tough job. They do. Roger Goodell does not do this. Roger Goodell didn't put his hands on anybody. Roger Goodell doesn't do bad things. This is, to me, a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding, but there's an era of, wow, he touched someone. He touched a civilian. He didn't touch a player. If this was a player, it'd be no big deal. Both the guys. Mike Evans got suspended for a game of the Buccaneers this year because he got in a fight to protect Tom Brady. He ran in and shoved, and, and that was a big deal. Draymond Green, I got a lot to say on what the Warriors are doing. Warriors are scared to death of Draymond Green. They got no balls on this topic. Team vote to keep him or not, no balls. No balls at all. Draymond runs that circus right now, and that's okay. They're the world champs. You can do that when you're the world champs. So that's some of the news today as we begin. Reggie in North Las Vegas, I thought I saw you on a TV commercial for the Raiders, Reggie. Is that true? <laughs> that's me, man. Yeah, good for you, man. You, you hung out with me on Monday Night Football. You're a great Raider fan, and you always support this team, and you're critical of the team at times. What do you got for us today? What's going to happen to hey, Devontae? So, so let's just say that, and, and I'm not going to name drop, but let me say I know – close family members to Devontae. So I know this ain't his character. I know for sure he felt bad, like no doubt. Mm -hmm. But my words to him, you can't do that. You you can't let yourself be in that moment. Like walking away from the team puts you in that moment. Don't do it. So, yes, he's going to get some type of punishment we already know you're going to pay the consequences. Mm. The consequences, 
is the the fans and all the people that get to see this video over and over and over and make their little critical statement when they don't know the whole story. But it's out there. So I expect the suspension. Well, maybe one game, like you said, especially mm-hmm. because of his, 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 his money that he makes. But I also thought, what if, in the mindset of the commissioner, you fine him for half a game? No, that's not going to happen. There's no such I thing as that. Too. Yeah, they're not going to do half a game. No, I know. I know. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying is when he make up how much he wants to fine him, because like mm-hmm. you said, yeah. a fine really ain't going to come up to the level of a game. Right? Wouldn't you say that it wouldn't come up to the same level of losing a game? You're right about that, Reggie. Reggie, got to run. Your phone's breaking up a bit, but you make good points. I, that's what I brought up in the monologue. Appreciate you reacting to it. It's the amount of money he makes for a game check, which is enormous, and taking that amount of money away for something like this, they can do that because these guys make so much money. They don't care. Like the league doesn't care. They, these guys make thirty, forty million a year. So if they take away a game check, no one's going to be crying on Park Avenue in New York about a player losing a game check. NBA players all the time, other athletes. The issue becomes, will his character come into play? And will his past have anything to do with this? And if they let him walk, if they say no, then there's going to be chirping from other teams out there, and there's going to be a precedent set. There'll be a precedent set that you can throw someone to the ground in a tunnel, and you're not going to lose a game. That's what sports is all about. Someone setting the precedent going forward. That's why they're freaked out about the concussions now. They have no idea what's going on. They have no idea. Everyone's scared. Tua can't play again. Tua's ready to play. They're scared to put him in. The team's scared to put him in. The league's scared to put him in. Tua wants to play. He can't, he's clearing protocol. The league, the league is paranoid now about not you, the football fan. They're not worried about you. They're worried about the mainstream media. Do you get it? They're, they're worried about the gal and the guy who doesn't watch football but sees this on their news cycle saying, oh, my God, I watched John Oliver on HBO. Brilliant show. Might be the best show on TV. John Oliver is a comedian, and he has a talk show, and he does this, like, 40-minute monologue. And the other night I'm watching it with my wife, and they're talking about violence in America, how crime is reported, crime. And they're doing this bit and how – Old, back like 30 years ago, they came up with this term, eyewitness news. It didn't exist. And it was all about how to put crime in the news and make it cheap and easy to do it. And he throws up the logo of Monday Night Football, talking about concussions, that crime. He's making fun of the league. And people are making fun of the league. Like I've always said, if Gail King and Hoder are talking about this in the morning, we're in trouble. All right? If the gals on The View are talking about this, or some of those whack jobs, those cable news whack jobs to the right and the left, the kooks on the extreme right and left, if they're talking about NFL football topics, that's not good for the league. And that's starting to happen. So I think the world, I think the world of Devontae. Haven't met him, don't know him, know Tim Brown, Jerry Rice really well, these guys. I hope to get to know him better and better. We're supposed to have an interview locked up with him here pretty soon for what he's doing with Tide. And, and the money that's going from that deal with him and what he's doing in the community. Great guy. Everybody will say that. But he's in a tough spot here. And I think he knows that. And Raider fans should support him. He made a mistake. Made a mistake. There'll they'll be a ruling on it. And we'll come together with him and have his back and move on. Chris in West Oakland checking in on the flagship. Hey, JT, yeah, I was going to rehash the game a little bit and talk about going forward. I'm going to save that for the next couple of days. I'll stay on topic here. And I agree with what you said about his past. First off, 
Unfortunately, I think he's going to get a suspension. But make no mistake about it. Devontae Adams has never had a character issue. He's never had an incident. And, you know, when you go to court, JT, your past sometimes plays uh, a role in what you get sentenced to. I would think that the league, hey, give him the maximum amount of fine you did. I don't think a first offense, what he did, and, and, he, and Reggie was right, you can't do that. You can't put your hands on somebody. But let's be straight. It wasn't a violent shove. It wasn't a forearm shiver. This guy went down and got right back up. I don't want to hear that he went to the hospital. It's a, he didn't hit his head. He got right back to his feet. It, it's, it's clearly a cash grab. But that's neither here nor there, and that doesn't exonerate Devontae from what he did. But at the end of the day, this isn't Draymond Green, and I've got plenty to say on him you know, going forward. Devontae's never had an issue. So I don't think the first offense should warrant a suspension. Give him the maximum fine, but let his past good behavior also help set a precedent and let some of these knuckleheads know, listen, if you're a good guy and never have an issue, we'll be a little lenient. But if the, but if the incident keeps happening over and over, then we're going to deal with it on a completely different basis. First offense, maximum fine. Unfortunately, I think the world we live in, the sensational media, the league wants to set a record, a precedent, and they're not going to look at his past behavior. Everybody's calling for a suspension, and the fact that it's the Raiders, I don't expect Goodell to do them any favors looking at the past history of the Raiders dealing with the league. Thank you, my friend, on the subject. I'll talk more about the team tomorrow. Yeah, Friday. you're right about that. The officiating, uh, I mean, Raider fans are very sensitive, rightfully so, historically, about the league rulings, uh, the lawsuits, Al Davis versus the league. Uh, Mark Davis not getting Carson, going back to Oakland. What happened there? And now we have this jewel in the desert. The revenue streams up. We have this amazing stadium, and the future is very bright. Now, not with the record at one and four, but I'm one of the people that's on the radio to tell you about what's happening with the team and what's going right with the team. Okay, I know there's been regime tra- changes on the business side, several presidents, right? We have this and that. We, we cover it all here. This is not perfect. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect here. Devontae Adams has a great character, and hopefully that character helps him. You know, it doesn't excuse anything, but there are rules about where those credential staff can be and can't be. Okay? You cannot be in the tunnel when players are entering or exiting. So he wasn't supposed to be there. So a suspension could be insane to me and many others. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was out of position, and he's a credentialed member of the media. He didn't deserve to be physically pushed to the ground, but he shouldn't have been there. There's a reason why this happens. And look, I'm surprised he didn't pick the guy up when he saw it, and I can't, I can't answer that question. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, pro Devante on that topic would be he was so pissed off He was so upset. Those fans were insane. I talked to people yesterday, I told you, in the building. The fans there were out of character. Some people say Kansas City fans are like that a lot. Okay, I haven't been there a lot. I've been to a few Kansas City trips. But the fans were throwing objects at the Raiders, and they were using racial slurs, as a Raider tweeted out. So, Devontae's part of that team, and they're talking about it. He's going into the tunnel as they lose by one. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? I can't. Again, we got to remember, we're not football players, we're fans. Please understand that. We don't know what he was going through. The monologue brought to you by Remy Martin. They have the botanist gin. Remy Martin's got big plans for F1. The Super Bowl, when it comes to Vegas, they are a proud partner of our show. What we do here with Remy Martin is we team up for excellence. 
Every time you go into a bar here in town or a club, nightclub, the VSOP, the Louis, the Quantro, Remy Martin, my proud partner on the radio. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Before, before I answer anything else, I want to apologize to the guy. Some, some guy running off the field, and he ran. Uh, like jumped in front of me. We were coming off the field, and I bumped into him and kind of pushed him, and then he ended up on the ground. So I want to say sorry to him for that because that was just frustration mixed with him running and, and literally just running in front of me. And that was... Shouldn't, shouldn't have responded that way, but that's that's how I initially responded, so I want to apologize to him for that. That's the Devontae apology soon after the incident in Kansas City. JT, back with you. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by M Resort Spawn Casino. Celebrate the holiday season in a picture-perfect winter wonderland featuring real snow, holiday games, rides, treats, snow carnival. will create the ultimate storybook experience of exploration and wonder for the entire family. That's November 23rd, my birthday, through January 8th. Tickets are on sale now at M Resort Spawn Casino. Former nose tackle, defensive tackle, Mitch Willis joins us, former L.A. Raider. Mitch, great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, JT. How you doing, bud? I couldn't Good be better. Up with you. Yeah, great to catch uh, up with you. There's a lot going on before we get into you, and that's why we have you on. We want to talk about your career and life. Raiders are 1-4. and four. You love the team. You love the alumni. It's a struggle right out of the gate. Do you have a story of perseverance as a football player? You played in the league uh, six-plus seasons. What you saw when you were up against it and how to really fight to get back in the win column? Yeah, I mean, when you start thinking about it, it it's tough, uh, especially when you've got a, a first-year coach. You know, everybody, I don't care who the coach is, when you look at that first year, that's a, that's a year of transition. So there's a lot of things changing, a lot of learning going on from both the team as well as, uh, as, well as the coaching staff on that. So, uh, you know, it, it, you've got to learn to just stay the course. And if you're doing all the right things, eventually it's going to come uh, fruition. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but and that's the hard part because we're we're a society now that wants instant gratification. We want it to come to us immediately, and unfortunately, in sports and life, sometimes that doesn't happen. So I think if everybody just holds the uh, holds the course, because you you think about that game the other night, mm-hmm. um, when you stay in toe to toe with one of the best teams in the league for the last few years uh, and go punch for punch with them, that, that says you got something. And I think you just build on it, and hopefully nobody likes losing, and hopefully the, uh, the winning will start happening. But I was, I was very impressed with what I saw uh, from the defensive line. There, It's as good as there is out there, and you're playing in one of the best uh, uh, against some of the best teams in the league in the AFC West. Mitch Willis is our guest, former Raider. That is a really good point. I love that, what you said. We're going to cut up, uh, cut up that soundbite because it's tough for everybody to see, you know, what's happening long-term here. When you lose by one to Kansas City, your nemesis, and you should have won the game and you had the lead at halftime and coming out of halftime, you got to take something away positive, right, Mitch? You've been in locker rooms at the highest level. Everybody's pissed off. They're frustrated. We got this Devontae Adams topic, but you got to look at the tape and see what's going right. And as Josh McDaniel said yesterday, build on what's going right and then throw into the pail what's not working and get better. Yep, 
It, well, and that's the thing. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people want to look to the negative. So, yes, you had a loss. But there was good that happened in the, exactly what you said. You've got to build on the good. You've got to figure out what worked, what's not worked, change what's not working, and then build on the positives because it's going to be very easy for everybody continue with the negatives, you know, another loss. Well, why did you lose? Start that, start looking into yourself and, um, you know, because that's what it starts. It starts with every player, every coach looking, what can I do different that wasn't working or that we should have done differently in that game and now have a better outcome from it. Mitch Willis is our guest. So playing at SMU, coming in as a seventh-round pick in 1984, pick 183, tell us about your journey, how you went from college football, or even before that, how you became a football player and made yourself a player that would get drafted by Al Davis and play with the Raiders. You know, it's interesting when I look back and I look at look through the years of doing it, and I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, uh, and they were asking me about, you know, playing and having kids play and things like that. I said, I knew I wanted to do it from the start. In fact, I still have a book that my mom used to keep my report cards in and you, you know, who your friends are, what do you want to be when you grow up, all that kind of thing. I still have it in a, in a lockbox. And in second grade, it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? An NFL football player. So I knew early on I wanted to do it. Now, then comes the the nature part of it. Was I going to have the size for it? Was I going to be athletic enough to do it? Fortunately, I was. I played at a, at a high level uh, in high school um, in, uh, here in Texas and got an opportunity to play at SMU and played with some of the best athletes I've ever played with in my life and uh, got a chance to play four years there and get drafted by the Raiders, which was you know, it was one of those things that, you know, when you get the phone call and you're going to a, 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 an organization with the history and the the mindset that uh, the Raiders have, and Al Davis said it and Mark's uh, continuing it. it. You know, it's once a Raider, always a Raider, and it's a close-knit organization, always has been, and, you know, it's it's something I'll never forget. You know, the five years that I got a chance to spend there, you know, with the teammates that I had and the, and the teams that we had, it was it was a, one of those once-in-a-lifetime dreams that came true. Mitch Willis is our guest. You know, my cheat sheet for all these interviews, first time I'm going to say it is Johnny Otten. You know, the Otten brothers and John Otten is a good friend of mine, and a lot of the players that I wasn't here, I wasn't there in your time, he tells me about before I conduct these interviews, and he talked about how great of a guy you were, played hard, great locker room guy, getting into the rotation, and how you fought to stay on this team and play on this team, and what you were able to do as a Raider. What was it like competing to stay on this roster, get on this roster, and compete to get playing time on this team? It's not easy for everybody, considering some of the great players who played on both sides of you. Yeah, it, you know, and that's the thing, and, and a lot of people – you know, it's not always just the physical part of it. It's the mental side of it. And I, I, I tell you a quick story. I'll never forget this. In fact, I've had an opportunity to speak to a lot of people through the years, and I've used this story. We're flying out to Santa Rosa, where we had training camp my rookie year, and we get off the, we you know, fly in, and then they put us on the buses, they take us to the uh, to the hotel. And I'm getting off the uh, the bus and unload my bags, and you know I've got a couple of bags and a and a carry bag. And one of the guys says, "Man, you might, you plan on staying here or something?" And I said, "Yeah."
plan on leaving, you know, because mm-hmm. I had packed my bags when I left Texas that I wasn't go I wasn't going back. I was going to stay. I was going to do whatever I had to to uh, to make the team and. You know, it, it, whether that whether good or bad, I can remember another situation. In rookie, we're going through camp, and it's hot out there. And as usual, it seemed like well, there were a lot of fights, of which I was in a few of them. <laughs> Finally, Tom Flores starts cussing at everybody and says, "Get out of here!" You know, kicks us off the field. And I'm thinking, "There's no way I'm fixing to get cut because I I had been in more than half of the fights." And all of a sudden, I'm walking off the field and. Al Davis and uh, Tom Flores are standing at the gate, and Al looks at me and goes, I love that kid, because he he knew that it meant something to me. I was going to fight, scrap, claw, do whatever I could to uh, to stay there, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to get to play five years there, and to this day, uh, like I said, it's one of the greatest things I, I've ever had an opportunity to do. Former Raider Mitch Willis, what a special conversation. Mitch, as we wrap it up, what does Coach Flores mean to you? He got that Hall of Fame jacket. It was a big deal. He waited way too long. It was so dignified the way he went there, went in with a wheelchair, stood up, and we're always thinking of Coach Flores and all the alumni try to stay in touch with him. What impact did Tom Flores have on your life personally? Well, you know, when you think of Coach Flores, you think he was the consummate professional. And you look at him through his entire career, both as a player, an assistant coach, and then as a head coach. And he won. So he brought to it a a calmness when needed, but yet he was still fiery. So he was the consummate leader, both, uh, you know, in the huddle as well as, as a coach. And so... You know, I think, like I said, I think him, Ron Wolf, and Al Davis for uh, my career. If they don't draft me and I don't come to the Raiders, I don't know what that looks. You know what it looks like. So, at, to your point, it's long overdue. Coach should have been in the Hall of Fame uh, long ago. Cliff Branch finally gets in. Should have been in there a long time ago. So, I hope that the bias that uh, we all feel like sometimes is out there for the Raiders, hopefully, uh, is softened and. The people that have the talent and that change the game actually get put into the uh, Hall of Fame when they deserve it. Mitch, what's going on with your life now? Tell me about your family, the entire family, and what's day-to-day like for you? Well, a day-to-day, got uh, my wife and I, we've been married going on 33 years. I've uh, got three boys, uh, all of them. I, the last one is wrapping up college. I've, I'm fortunate. I've got two uh, boys that over the last couple, actually during COVID, decided to go into the military. My youngest uh, turned down a basketball scholarship to go to the Marines. And then I've got a son that played college football that, uh, after he got out, had signed up. And he's in the National Guard Special Forces. Wow. And then my third son, the third and oldest son uh, lives in Fort Worth, so we get a chance to see him, him and his wife quite often. Uh, or, um, quite often. And, um, so things are going good. My wife and I, uh, enjoy, we enjoy our time here with our, with our boys and their wives and as well as we enjoy traveling. So things are, things are very good. I'm working. I'm still working. Haven't retired yet. I work for Lumen Technologies, been with them quite a long time and, uh, things are good. Thanks, Mitch. It's a pleasure. I'll remember this conversation. Hope you're coming out to Vegas to catch a game soon. You mean a lot to the I alumni. Will, I will be out there. On, I'll be out there for the game on the 18th of December. So hope to, hopefully you can catch up, JT. 100%. Talk to you then, Mitch. Thank you.
All right, take care. How about Bye-bye. that? Mitch Willis, former defensive tackle, nose tackle for the Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by M Resort, Spawn Casino. You know, I have these interviews with these gentlemen. I hope you enjoy them. You find out about the history of the team. You see how much they love being Raiders. And it's part of growing the Raider brand in Vegas. It's for everybody to learn about the players that came before this roster. Again, thanks to Mitch Willis for joining us. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. Interesting games coming up and moving lines. I got a game that I like a lot. We'll see what Jeff Sherman says on it. A little Bay Area feel to it. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Pressure off the edge, into the pocket, lobs one downfield for Adams, at the goal line, over his shoulder, touchdown! Derek Carr racing forward on a beautiful ball for 48 yards! It's Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders on the call. Great to go out to the Westgate. Jeff Sherman joins us weekly, VP of Risk Analyst over at the best sports book in town. So, uh, Jeff, for you and your staff, with baseball playoffs going, the start of the NHL, I got Shea Theodore here at the top of the hour, NFL and college football. Fair to say, is this your busiest time of year? Yeah, it is, no doubt about it. And the NBA next week, we get everything going at once. It's a lot of fun. Uh, what have you noticed with the Raiders now? They're 1-4 they're in four on the year. They played in a lot of tight games. They covered against Kansas City. What did you see with the money going into that game and with the Raiders covering, and what jumped out at you? Well, we had a lot of sharp money on the Raiders, plus 7. And then the public involved the Chiefs on the money line and teasers, so... The outcome was not good for the book, but there was a lot of respect on the Raiders' side as far as the point spread. And here's an example, too. With the Raiders with their record at 1-4, and four, you look on the flip side, the Giants, 4-1. and one. We have it if the Raiders played the Giants on a neutral field, the Raiders would be a 3-3.5 three, three point favorite. So the records aren't everything, and the point spread record will tell you more. Uh, which team has been the biggest surprise when it comes to covering or winning outright against the spread? Uh, let's see. Um, well, not winning, not covering too much. Uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, okay. you know, the, the public was on them a lot. Uh, they the season win total eleven and a half. Um, high expectations. They went through injuries. So if you look at, against Tampa Bay, that's that's definitely one team uh, covering. Probably Dallas. The way that Cooper Rush has mm-hmm. been playing lately, they've been winning their games as an underdog every time ever since he's taken over. So I'd say Dallas right now. Uh, Jeff Sherman's our guest. Jeff, I really like Atlanta against the Niners, as I teased that with you coming up here, because they were snake bit in that Tampa game. They really thought they got robbed on that rusting in the passer. They're playing well. They had good momentum going. Now they get this game at home against the 49ers, and the 49ers are playing well, but their injuries are a big deal. What do you have the number at for the 49ers at Atlanta here, and has it moved much? Yeah, we're currently at 49ers minus 5.5 on the road, and we did open at 6, so we've seen some sharp play on the Atlanta side. And You know, of course, we expect the public to be involved with the 49ers, point spread, teasers, money line, but so far the sharps are biting on Atlanta. Anyone biting on the Jets to cover the 7, 7.5, depending on where you have it today, against the Packers? Packers coming off a stinging loss. They have problems with their receivers and Aaron Rodgers, and the Jets have some momentum, and their defensive backs are really good. Their route, uh, They jump routes. They play very aggressive here. I can't wait for this matchup. Yeah, initially there was sharp play. Uh, anything over 7, you'll see that show up on the Jets' side, so... Seven looks to be a good number, and that's where the public gets involved is laying the seven at home. 
But uh, anything over that, I think you'll see the Sharps keeping it down to seven. Significant line move with the Giants, as you just mentioned that, and the momentum they have. I know they were missing four receivers. They're home against the Ravens, and the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones. Are the Giants in a good spot here? What do you say? Uh, we've seen a lot of sharp play against the Giants here. We did open the Ravens five and a half on Sunday night. Uh, it got adjusted downwards, and uh, we saw uh, on on Tuesday morning it, it went back up at uh, at four, and then it's been nothing but sharp play. And we expect the public to be involved in the Ravens side. There's still not a lot of belief in the Giants, even though they have that nice record. Jeff Sherman is our guest. So, Jeff, the two big games I want your opinion on and what it looks like at the Westgate: Buffalo, Kansas City, the rematch game. Uh, where the line is at currently today, especially the total in this game where most fans think this is going to be a monumental shootout, no weather in play here. It looks like going into the game and Buffalo would pay back. Yeah, this is a, an interesting game from every perspective. And on Sunday, we opened the Bills a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, which you just generally don't see Patrick Mahomes, a home underdog. Uh, and then after, after the performance uh, against the Raiders, the Chiefs' performance against the Raiders on Monday night, we decided to open the Bills a three-point favorite on Tuesday morning. But now we've seen nothing but sharp play, plus three and plus three minus 120. So we're back to Bills minus two and a half on the road, which we expect to get plenty of, plenty of public money on, on Buffalo like we have all season. So this, the volume on this game will probably be the most highly bet regular season game this season. And Jeff, explain to us the definition of a trap game because Kansas City and the Raiders, that's a rivalry in a division game. Even though they had Tampa Bay on one side and Buffalo there, it's hard to have a trap game with a division rival historically, correct? It, it can be difficult, but okay. you still have to look what bookends that game and, uh, and what you just mentioned on the two sides of it. It does lead it. Even though they should mm-hmm. be up for the division game, there is that natural letdown because of what's on the horizon. Eagles-Cowboys, let's wrap it up with that. I love Jalen Hurts and the way he's playing. Cooper Rush, I thought that Dak would be back for this game. It would be the game to come back and go up against Jalen Hurts, and they're holding him back for obvious reasons. Jerry Jones says he wants to see him spin it more. I think they're holding him back. How has that affected the line? Well, we were at Eagles minus five, and we took some sharp play on the Eagles this morning. We're up to Eagles minus six, and mm. you know we wow. get a mixed result on Dallas now. We've seen uh, the public finally come around to him with Cooper Rush. So there, this, this will be a great great game to be wagered upon on both sides of it at this number. Uh, Jeff, finally, again, I have a Vegas Golden Knight at the top of the hour here. What do you need to tell me about Vegas, the opportunity to win the Cup, win the division? What's the play on Vegas so far that the Vegas customers of yours are coming in excited about? Well, they're 16-1 to for the Stanley Cup, and that's mm-hmm. the highest at this point, you know, starting out the season we've seen in many years with this team. So... Uh, people can get involved that way. The division odds—they're uh, seven to two odds for the division. You know, right now in the Pacific Division, they're behind Calgary and Edmonton. So, you know, a fringe playoff team is slightly favored to make the playoffs. But um, this is people's opportunity Thanks, to buy them at the lowest point that they've had in the, in the in recent years. Excellent, Jeff. What's going on at the Westgate? We want to send everybody down there to see the best and sharpest book in town. What do you got coming up? Well, we got the Football Central on Sundays for everyone to enjoy the games and. We have plenty of propositions for the NBA, the NHL still yet to kick off some of their games. So plenty of things to wager on for season-long props. Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you next week. Thank you. All right, thanks. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Go there. Have the best experience. Whenever I have friends in town, I bring them to the Westgate. A couple of my buddies just want to go there. Uh, We're friendly with a lot of books in town here, but we do a lot with the Westgate. Thanks to Jeff Sherman and Jay Cornegay. That was brought to you by the 872 Laborers who built the Legion Stadium, and my friend Tommy White, 
who is passionate about this radio show, the Raiders winning games, obviously all of his members, Tommy White and the 872 Laborers, proud partner of our show. Whenever I see Tommy, he's optimistic that the Raiders can win games, and he's the heart and soul of building that stadium, the jewel here in the desert, the 872 Laborers.